Turn to Mark chapter 6 with me. Mark chapter 6. Me and Randy were discussing it, and I think we're going to have some uh, special giveaways for anybody that's willing to sit in the middle section. I don't know what happened, <laughs> but it seems like uh, <laughs> we, we're waiting on these sides somehow, but uh, Brother Alex came, so you know, you get the first one. Uh, I think there's a lot of people sick. Maybe you don't want to sit in the middle section. It's a good plan. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, no, there's a lot of people out sick. Let's be praying for them. And I know that several have told me um, they were out sick. I, 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 Miss Jackie told me she was out sick and several others. So let's be praying for them. Appreciate y'all being here, though. And let's pray that God will help us uh, to get something from this message tonight. We're going to continue our message out of Mark chapter 6. Let's look at verse number 45. Let's start in verse 45. Why don't we stand, and we'll read through the end of the chapter, and then I'll pray, and you can be seated. We're going to be talking again, preaching again, on Christ's care in the center of your storm. Christ's care in the center of your storm. Verse 45, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship, and go to the other side before into Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray, and when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary to them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him, and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them in the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for, they, for their heart was hardened. And when they had passed over, they came unto the land of Gennesaret, and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him, and ran through the whole region round about, and began to carry about in beds those that were sick, uh, where, they, where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless the reading and the preaching of his word. Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you for what you did this morning in our hearts. Lord, we thank you for how uh, you showed us some of these truths about your care in the midst of our storms. Lord, we pray that you would help us as we continue that thought tonight. God, uh, speak to our hearts through your word, uh, Lord, through the preaching. And uh, God, may we have comfort, and Lord, may we be better strengthened in our faith uh, because of your word tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So this morning we were talking about this thought of Jesus' care in the center of our storms. Uh, a lot of times, if we're not careful, we can be, uh, get to a place where we start to doubt God's goodness or his control. We we're in a storm, we can't see any way out, and, and we, we, we almost get to the place where we even doubt that Jesus cares. But we know that's not true. And from this passage, we see uh, seven points here of, of, of seven ways that we see the care of Jesus even in the midst of our storm. As I was studying this afternoon, I, I came across this quote from uh, Warren Wearsby. He, he was talking about this passage and introducing it. And he said this, he said, Spiritual blessings must be balanced with burdens and battles. Otherwise, we may become pampered children instead of mature sons and daughters. And isn't that a truth? 
Uh, you know, if we always had it our way, we always had it good, we never had any problems, we never had to face anything, make any decisions, uh, we would be spoiled and pampered. But we need to be mature uh, sons and daughters of, of, of God so that we can carry out the Great Commission. Uh, we, we, we aren't here just for ourselves. We aren't here just for our comfort. God has a purpose, a reason uh, for us being here. So this morning... We looked in verse 45 and we, we saw His command. We saw His command. He, we, we saw this crowd was ready to make them celebrities, but Jesus knew that was not best for them. And, and sometimes Jesus must even save us from ourselves. And so He brings this storm into their life. He sends them into it. We see His command and that he, they faced this storm um, because they were, they were obeying Jesus. It wasn't because of any misunderstanding or anything they did. It was because they were, they were, they were obeying Jesus. And, and we see two types of storm. We've seen the storms of correction. We see that in the life of Jonah, don't we? And we? But we also see these storms of perfection, even when we've not done anything wrong, but where God is making us in, more into the image of His dear Son. And, 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 and during the invitation, God put that on my heart as Brother Randy was singing that song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Uh, a lot of times we just want the storm to cease, but God wants to do a work and change us. And, and we might come to these altars and pray, God, I, I want you to help me in this storm, but are we willing to change? Are we willing to be made more into the image of Jesus? Are we willing to have our faith really strengthened? Hey, if it's a storm of correction, are we willing to get that right with the Lord? Um, because that's what the storm is all about. So we see His command, and, and, and in both of these areas, even in the storm of correction or the storm of perfection, in all of it, we, we learn this, that God is in control. You know, I, I was thinking of Job today and, and, and how Job faced this storm. I mean, what a storm Job faced, right? I mean, he lost everything, lost his family, uh, lost his, his, his property, he lost his health, he lost it all. But in it all, God was up in heaven and never out of control. So God was in control. So we see His command. In His command, we see His care. Uh, we also see His communion. Uh, number two, we see His communion. In verse 46, it says that when He departed, He went into a mountain alone and He prayed. Boy, that's such an encouraging thought to me, isn't it to you? The idea that Jesus is praying for you. Hey, if all else, if nobody else cares, if nobody else is praying for you, know that Jesus is on the right hand of the Father interceding for you. And, 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 I, and I like the idea that He was never too busy to pray. And may, may our storms drive us not away from God, not, not to where we hide our face from God, not from where we don't want to speak to Him, but from where we get on our knees and we pray. And we, we were never too busy to pray. So we see that Jesus was in communion. And in His communion, He showed His care for us in this storm. He's never too busy to pray. And He is praying for you. I like His in Luke chapter 22, where we were just, we were just at during the Lord's Supper. And, and, and God knows that, that Peter's about to face a temptation. God knows he's going to fail. He's going to face a trial and he's going to fail. Remember that? He's going to deny the Lord. But what did Jesus look at him and say? I have prayed for you. Man, how awesome of a thought that is. So Jesus is praying for you in the middle of your storm. He shows his care because he's praying for you. And then number three, we got to this point. In verse number 48, uh, we saw his concern. It says in verse 48, it says they were in the midst of the sea. They were about three miles out at this time. Uh, and and, and it, was, 
it was evening, it was about the fourth watch, three or four o'clock in the morning probably. They were three to four miles out. There's a storm out there, but what does it say? It says in verse number 48, and he saw them. Now, I mean, I don't care what kind of binoculars you got. <laughs> I don't care what kind of night vision you've got. Um, physically, are you seeing the disciples in the middle of the sea? I'm not. And God and Jesus, in his human eyesight, the physical eyesight, I don't know that he can see them. But man, he saw them. Hey, and no matter what you're going through, no matter, you might think nobody else knows, nobody else sees, nobody understands what I'm going through, but let me tell you something. Even in the storm, even in the night, even in the middle of the sea, even when you feel like Jesus is miles and miles and, and miles away, He sees and He cares. He shows His concern to them. He shows that He cares. Uh, I, was, I was reading some of the verses this afternoon in Hebrews chapter 4 goes along with this. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to get into this next point before we sort of stopped. Hebrews chapter 4. Look at verse number 13. Talks about the, 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 the Word of God being sharp and powerful, quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. But look at verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open under the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Hey, let me tell you something. Jesus sees. Jesus, He knows that you're trying. He knows that you're having a hard time. He knows that you're toiling. He knows that you've been wrong. He knows that you, you, you're trying your best. Like those disciples on the, on the water, you're trying your best to obey Him. He knows what you're going through. He sees it and He cares. But notice this in verse number 48. We see his concern there in verse 40, 47, 48, but then we see his coming. We see his coming. Look at verse number 48, and that's where we'll start the message tonight. It says, And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary to them. And notice, And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. His coming. It's the fourth watch. Uh, he sent them off about evening time which would probably be around 6 o'clock or so. I think that they had four watches. And, and, and this was the fourth watch of the night. It, it had been a long, long night. It, it was probably between 3 and 6 a.m. Uh, it had been dark. It had been storming. They had been toiling all night long. Can you imagine this? These disciples, they had been fighting this wind all night. Have you ever had a night where you just wish the night would end? Anybody ever have one of those nights? Maybe you're sick. Maybe whatever's going on. You're like, Lord, can the sun just come up. I'm ready for this night to be over. I imagine that's those disciples out there in the boat and they're rowing and they're trying and they're doing all of this. And, and I imagine they're about to the end of themselves. They're to a place where they just want to give up. I'm like, Lord, it, it, we've been trying for nine hours, about nine hours to do what you told us to do. And we're stuck out here in the middle of the sea. Hey, they had gotten off track. They were supposed to just go across the top of the Sea of Galilee, that northern tip. And the Bible here says they were in the middle of it. They were three to four miles out. They were nowhere near where they wanted to be. And, and, and it was about this time that there was probably, they felt like there was no hope. And it, it looked bleak. It was still nighttime. The, 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 the sun was nowhere to be seen. Uh, they, they were making no progress. They were out in the middle of the sea. They'd been doing this for nine hours. They should have been there by now. Almost to the place of despair. 
almost to the place of despondency, almost to the place of giving up. But what happened? He had taken all the props away. Hey, he had taken all that hope away. And there was only one answer left. And what was it? It was Jesus. Notice what it says. And he saw them toiling and rowing, and for the wind was contrary to them. And it was about the fourth watch of the night. It was, it was, it was, they'd been going all night. He cometh unto them, walking upon the sea. Hey, whenever all hope was gone, whenever there was no more answers, he came unto them. You know, he had not forsaken them. He had not forgotten them. Hey, he knew exactly where they were. He saw them, and he came to help them. Hey, let me tell you something. Look, you might be in a place where you feel like you have no hope. Hey, you might be in a place where you feel like you've tried, you've tried, you've tried, you've tried. But let me tell you something. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming in the midst of your storm. Jesus is coming to help you to to bring that calm, to bring that, that understanding. Jesus is coming to help you in the midst of your storm. He's not forsaken you. He has not forgotten you. He knows exactly where you are. And in that that, that, that fourth watch, when you think it's all gone, He comes. But how did He come? Notice what it says, that He cometh unto them walking upon the sea. What were they afraid of? Why were they so fearful? Why did Jesus come upon the sea? Because He was showing the very thing that they feared became the pathway for Jesus to come to them. Hey, He, he made that storm His, his stepping stones. He made that, 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 that sea his, his pathway. That, that was what He came to them. And, and a lot of times that's what it is. The thing that we feared is what Jesus comes to us and He came to them in the midst of their storm. They might have thought this is the worst thing that could happen. But because of that storm, here comes Jesus walking on the water right to them. Hey, you know, you need to look at your storms in a different way, don't we? Hey, sometimes our storms are are how Jesus comes to us. Hey, you'd never know Jesus the way you know Him if it weren't for the storms in your life. Isn't that true? Because He used that storm to come unto them. And I was thinking about this, the the people that face some some trials and some temptations. I, I thought about those... Those three Hebrew children back in Daniel. You remember that? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, they, they, were, they, were, they were facing the, 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 the thought of, of, of being thrown into that fiery furnace. And, 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 and Nebuchadnezzar had made it so hot that even the people that threw them in perished, right? And I imagine everybody's thinking, man, how awful for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to have to go into the fiery furnace. How awful it is for them. But they weren't thinking that way. And what happened when they got in there? Who was in there waiting on them? Jesus. Hey, that thing that everybody feared, that thing that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego should have been so scared of, that fiery furnace, is where Jesus came to them. I think about Daniel just a few chapters later. Daniel was being thrown into that lion's den and, and everybody was thinking how awful for Daniel getting thrown down into that lion's den. He was an older man by this time and, and they're going to eat him up. It's awful. And, and it wasn't these, these, Dan, these, these lions weren't hungry because they threw some other guys in there the next day and they ate them right up, right? But what happened when Daniel got thrown into that lion's den? 
He said, God's angel, I think that was the Lord Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, he shut the mouths of those lions. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful thought? Hey, that thing that everybody was scared of, that lion's den, that's where Jesus was. And you as a believer, listen to me, you need to know that that thing that you fear, that's where Jesus can come to you. Uh, you know, I think of, the, uh, of Peter. Peter was in jail. He was in prison because he was preaching the gospel. Isn't that awful? He got put in jail for preaching the gospel. And I think everybody felt bad for Peter. They, had a, they even called a, a special prayer meeting for him and everybody felt bad for him. He was, he was in, in jail, and, and they've been having some trouble with, you know, like Jesus. They put him in a tomb, and then he was gone. And so they're thinking, we better make sure on this one. And so they put him between two, two guards, and they put chains around him. And I imagine Peter's thinking, man, I am in such a bad spot here. But what happened? The Bible says the angel of the Lord came, and he shone on them. And those chains fell open. And those gates, those bars opened wide and Peter walked right out. Hey, you know, those bars, those chains, those things that he felt like, man, this is awful. That's where Jesus came. That's when Jesus came to him. Maybe you're chained up. Maybe you have some prison you feel like you can't get out of. Well, let me tell you something. That's no, that's no problem for Jesus. He can make those chains fall right off. He can make those prison doors open right up. It's in that prison that Jesus came to them. You know, I think of Paul. Paul was, Paul was on a ship, and they, he was in prison, he, and he was on a ship, and they were taking him to Rome. He told these guys, he said, look, guys, y'all don't need to, to leave from this port because uh, it's not going to be good for us if we do. They didn't listen to the preacher. That's your, listen, there's that a lesson there. Listen to the preacher. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> they got out there, and then a storm came. Remember that? The storm came. It actually had a name, so I believe, I guess that was a hurricane, right? It's Euroclide, and that was, you know, it had a name. And that storm was going, everybody was scared to death. Paul just sitting over there, calm as can be. He said, hey, I had, Jesus came last night, told me it's all going to be all right. In the middle of that shipwreck, hey, that ship is going down, it's going to. <laughs> Paul knew something, that Jesus came to him. Hey, I don't care, you, you might feel like your life is shipwrecked. You might feel like your life is, is, is at the worst place it can be. But Jesus, He can step into the midst of it. Hey, that's what Jesus did. He, he used this storm as His pathway to come to His disciples to teach them that He still cared, that He loves them, and that He is still God in control. Now notice this in verse number 48. It says, It came to them walking upon the water and would have passed by them. He would have passed by them. You know, Jesus doesn't force himself on anybody. You know, the sad thing is that many people want to fight this storm and fight this storm and fight this storm and fight this storm and do it on their own, and they don't ever turn to the one that can save them. Hey, you, see, you, see it, you see it all the time with people in their sin, and they don't want to give it up, and they, they think they can whoop it, and they think they can do it, but what they never do is they never turn to Jesus. Hey, Jesus is walking out there to them, and, and the Bible says that He would have passed by them, but, but He didn't because they turned to Him. And listen, if you might be in a storm, you need to turn to Jesus. Stop fighting. Stop, stop uh, uh, you know, uh, turning the wrong way. Turn, turn into the wrong things. Turn to Jesus. You know, hey, look, if you're here and you're not saved, you're not sure of that, get it, get it right. Get it certain tonight. Hey, know, know that, you, that you've, you've turned to Him as your Savior because listen, that storm of the wrath of God, it's not going away except through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way to turn away the wrath of God, that storm in your life, is to trust Jesus as your Savior. Hey, you need to trust Him. 
he would have passed by. You know, he doesn't, come to, he doesn't come unless we are ready to receive. Are you ready to receive him tonight? Are you ready for his help? Has that storm done its, its, its work, had its lesson in your life? Because he is coming and he can help. So we see his coming and then we see his comfort. Number five here, we see his comfort. It says um, that he would have passed by them. Notice verse 49, I like this. But when they saw him, now remember, Jesus saw them way before they ever saw Jesus, right? Jesus was on top of this thing the whole time. They might not have known it, but finally they realized, hey, Jesus is here. You know, they finally figured it out. It took them a while. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, now notice this, but they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. So what was their first response here? Uh, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were terrified. The Bible says that they were troubled. That word troubled, it's really a strong word, and it means they were terrified. Uh, what did they think Jesus was? At first, they thought this was a spirit. This was a ghost. And we're like, how silly of those people. Why would they think something like that? I mean, are they crazy? Well, look, Jesus has been going around casting out some demons and stuff, hasn't he? Remember that? Uh, what had happened just a chapter before in, 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 in Mark chapter 5, I think it is, he had cast out all those demons out of that one guy. Remember the legion? And where did those demons go? Into the pigs that went where? Into the sea. So hey, they think there's a ghost. There's a demon. What, what am I to do? And so they're still scared. But notice this. Notice what Jesus does. For they all saw him and were troubled. Notice, and immediately he talked with them. Man, aren't you glad that Jesus, he, he, he loves you. Aren't you glad that he doesn't always just come to you in anger and in rebuke, but he comes to you with comfort. Notice what he did. He saith unto them, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Hey, he knew what they needed. And he came to them to comfort them. He wanted to help them, not hurt them. He wanted them to realize that. Sometimes we think God is trying to hurt us in our storms, don't we? We think that God might be mean or God is trying to hurt me. But that's not the God that we serve. That's not the God of the Bible. Have you ever, have you ever been doing something and, 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 and you know you're wrong or something's going on and then somebody comes and, and the first thing they do is get on to you? How does that make you feel? You're like, it doesn't help at all. Does it? it makes you angry. But Jesus came to them and he didn't want to do that. He came to them and he came to them in comfort. He said, hey, fellas, be of good cheer. It is I. His first response was not to rebuke, not to scold, not to get on, but to comfort because he wanted to bring them in. Notice what he said at the end of that. He says, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. That's what they were fighting, right? They were fighting fear. They were scared. Here's our battle. Listen, this is the battle. And this is what the, 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 the whole gist of this, this, uh, this storm is. Is we are facing a battle. And our battle is this. Our battle is fear versus faith. Are we going to have faith or are we going to have fear? I, I was listening to... Um, uh, Scott Polly this week, and, and he said this. He, 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 was, he was talking about this subject of, of the storms, and he says, you either live consumed with fear or controlled by faith. Think about that thought. Isn't that true? You're either living consumed with fear or controlled by faith. But it can't be both at the same time. 
Faith cast out fear, and fear cast out faith. Are you living a faith life or a fearful life? This is me, man. I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> God worked me over on this, you know. I have problems with this. I get a little anxious and fearful sometimes. Amen. Don't tell anybody I said that. But, man, don't we, isn't that the battle we face? Are we going to trust God? Hey, in this storm I'm facing, am I going to trust God? This, is, this decision I have to make, am I going to trust God? Or am I going to be scared? Hey, this step of faith that God is asking me to take, Lord, I can't understand how I could move off to South Africa and be a missionary. I can't understand how I could surrender to full-time ministry. I, don't I can't understand. Are we willing to take that step of faith? Or are we going to allow fear to rule in our life? Uh, Warren Wearsby, he said this. He said, Fear and faith cannot live in the same heart for fear always blinds the eyes to the presence of the Lord. Mm, isn't that true? This battle of fear and faith. And Jesus comes to them and He's bringing them this comfort. And He's saying, be not afraid. He says, disciples, the point of this storm is to build your faith, not for you to have fear. And we need to not be anxious. We need to not be worried. We need to understand God is in control and that we ought to have faith in Him and not be afraid. Scott Polly went on to say this. Notice in the middle phrase, they said, Be of good cheer, it is I. Hey, that's what he's trying to teach them to fear, not fear the storm, not fear the sea, but to fear the Lord. That's the point. Scott Polly said this. He says, he says, the greater fear, the fear of God, casts out the lesser fear. He said, when you learn to fear God, you have nothing else to fear. Man, wasn't that a wonderful thought? Hey, when we learn that God is in control, we can trust Him. We can put our faith in Him. We have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. You know, I like how Paul said it when he was in that storm. Remember how I said Paul was in that storm, that shipwreck? Look at, at, at Acts chapter 27. In verse number 23, he says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whom I am and whom I serve. Who's he talking about there? We all know that's Jesus, right? In Luke verse 24, And the angel of God, Jesus, said unto him, verse 24, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. So he gave him a promise. And what does Paul say? I mean, look, the storm is going nuts at this time. It's going crazy. All the, all the, all the, the, the sailors on that ship think it's, it's lost. And, and they're actually ready to kill the prisoners and give up and abandon the ship. And Paul says, hey, 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 wait a second, guys. I got a promise from God. And notice what he says. He says, wherefore, sir, all the, all the, the, the sailors thought that it was going to be bad. He says, wherefore, sirs, that's who he's speaking to, be of good cheer. Why? I like this. I like the way he says it. For I believe God. <laughs> Isn't that the key to the, the riding out these storms? It's just like Paul, man. Storms going crazy. Ships falling apart. Sailors going. They're scared to death. Paul's sitting over there just calm as can be. Yep, I believe God. That's what we have to do. Hey, this fear versus faith. And that's one of the lessons that, that, that Jesus is teaching His disciples. When He comes to them, He says, Be of good cheer. It is I. In this storm that you're going through, Jesus is teaching you, bringing you to the place where you realize who He is. That's what it's all about. You know, in this storm, what was their response? 
we'll skip down to verse 51. It says that, that when the wind had ceased, they were sore afraid and amazed in themselves and beyond measure and wondered. But that's not all that happened in chapter 14. Look at what happened in Matthew 14. This is the same uh, story here. Matthew 14, it says, uh, and when they were gone over the land, they came to the land of... Uh, no, look at verse number 33, I'm sorry. It says, the wind ceased in verse 32. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped Him. What was the point of the storm? It's for they would worship Him. And notice what they said. Saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. You know, the first time they faced the storm, back in Matthew chapter 8, they looked at Jesus and said, What manner of man is this? They didn't quite get it yet. But now what did Jesus do? He came to them and says, It is I. And He got on the ship and they all got on their knees and they worshipped Him. And they said, Of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. And look, in your storm, will you get to the place where you realize that? Where you realize who Jesus is? It's not just some man. It's not just some thing that we go to church and worship. He is the Son of God and we ought to worship Him that way. You know, in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, it talks about how He has a name which is above every name and that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And then in verse number 11, it says, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hey, can we do that in the midst of our storms? We can realize that Jesus is Lord. No matter what I'm going through, I'm going to give Him the place that He deserves because I'm going to honor Him as the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to worship Him as our Lord. So we see, we see His, um, his uh, comfort to them there in those verses. And then next thing here, we see His calming. His calming. Look at verse number 51. It says, And He went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. Does anybody know what is left out between verse 50 and 51? Does anybody know? Do we know what happened in Matthew? What, what, what happened in Matthew? Peter walking on the water. Now, I, I don't know all of why, but there's a lot of preaching to be done in that. But this, 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 this gospel account that we have, was uh, Mark was writing it down as Peter told him. And for some reason, Peter chose to leave out the story of him walking on the water. Now, I don't know if that was because he didn't want to glory in it. I don't know if he was ashamed of it. I'm not sure which one it was. But we know it was left out. And there's a lot that can be said about the, 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 uh, Peter walking on the water. But since Mark doesn't talk about it, we're not going to talk about it. We're going to move on to the next thing. It says in verse number 51, it says, And he went up into them, uh, unto them into the ship. Think about this, though, speaking of Peter. It says that the storm did not cease until Jesus got in the ship. So what did Peter have to do? He would walked out on the water. What did Peter have to do to get back in that ship? He had failed in his faith, didn't he? He failed. But what did he have to do? He had to get up and do it again. Apparently, he had to walk on the water to get to the ship, and the storm was still going on, wasn't it? So look, if you failed, don't quit, right? Get up and walk on it again. But anyway, we're not preaching on Peter walking on the water because it's not in here. So let's go to the next thing. It says in verse number uh, 51, And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. When Jesus got up into the, the, the boat, it says that the wind ceased. John says this. John says that they were immediately at the shore. Now remember, they were three to, four hour, three to four miles out in the middle of the sea. And when he got in the ship, the wind ceased, and they were at the shore. The wind had served its purpose. He had taught the lesson. And now he was back at where it, they were back on track where God or where Jesus had told them to go. 
Have you ever been in the middle of a, a storm and you feel like your life's never going to get right? You feel like you're, you, you feel like you're so off track and, and that you can never be back where God wants you to be. And, and, and man, you know, you, you, you want to be right. You want to do it, but you can't ever get there. Well, let me tell you something. When Jesus comes in, He can change that, can He? He got in that boat and they were off track, way off track. But now, they're right back where they needed to be with the Lord. And that's the way we need to be. Hey, Jesus, when He gets in the boat, He's got power. And that's, he, he had power over time. He had power over nature. Hey, He had power over distance. Hey, whatever it is, God, Jesus has power over it. You know, I, I think about uh, that, that he, he healed the blind, those physical things. I think about how He fed the hungry that, that, that He provided. I think about how He paid taxes. You thought about that? He paid taxes. Miraculously paid taxes. Hey, I think about uh, how He even raised the dead. Hey, I don't care what your problem, your issue, it might be physical, it might be mental, or it might be spiritual, it might be financial, it might be relational and family. Jesus can heal it. Jesus can, uh, can provide it. Jesus can save it because that is what He does. He has power over everything. I don't care what storm you're facing, He has power that can overcome your storm. You know, He can even give eternal life. Um, I, I, I think about Lazarus. The family there was facing a storm. An awful storm. They lost a loved one. And they told Jesus about it, right? They told Jesus, and what did He do? He waited for four more days. You know, I, think, I, I kind of think about how the disciples were thinking, man, Jesus could have done this in the first, second, third watch of the night, and it had been a little better in the fourth watch of the night. But He was waiting until all hope was gone. He waited on Lazarus to be in the grave. And, and He looked, and Martha came up to Him and was talking to Him and said, Lord, you know, you could have done something about this. And he looked at her, and he said this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Hey, no matter what storm you're facing, he can heal you. He can help you. I was reading Gretchen Masters. She's one of our missionaries that we support. And I sent this to Brother Darrell, and he, he gave it to many of y'all. But this is what she said. She, she posted this, talking about her dad. She said, for many years I prayed for my dad's physical body to be healed in some capacity. My prayers for this were not answered until yesterday. God allowed him to leave his broken body behind and finally go home. But one thing the Lord has helped me to see is that God was answering my prayers for, for he, and healing all, him all along. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Isn't that what we fight in our storms sometimes? She said, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4.16 The healing Christ was giving was eternal healing and not physical, which is only temporary. We will all die one day. You know, that's the truth. We're all going to die. Have you trusted Jesus? She goes on, we'll all die one day. Jesus offers true healing for our souls. It is heart-wrenching to watch somebody's Someone's body fell them and watched them fade away, knowing we will all be here at some point. I am thankful for the healing in my own life as God is sanctifying me through every loss, every trial. Boy, that stood out to me. Can we say that in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our, our, our losses, is that we are thankful that God is healing us. 
She goes on to say, drawing me closer to the heart of my healer. That's what our storms are for, is to draw us closer to the heart of our healer. So we see the last thing here. We see his calming, and then lastly, we see his cause. We see his cause. So what was the purpose of this? You ever ask that? You go into a storm and you're in the middle of, why, Lord? What's the purpose? I want you to catch this phrase. God is too loving and kind to not care or to hurt you. Did you catch that? God is too loving and kind to not care or to hurt you. God is too wise and all-knowing to be unaware or to not have a plan for your good. No matter what we're going through, God has a purpose. Let's look at the purpose here. It says in verse number 52, it says, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. First thing, he knew their faith needed strengthening. He knew their faith needed strengthening. They considered not. They didn't totally get it yet. And Jesus is he's, he's trying to bring them to a place where their faith is strengthened. You know, it's interesting to note that the first time that they were in that storm, remember the first storm is in Mark chapter 4. Just a few weeks ago we, we were studying this. And, and where was Jesus in this first storm? In the boat. He was with them in the boat asleep. But it's not so this time. What happened this time? He's not with them. You know what is he trying to do? He's trying to teach them something. Hey, what was going to happen just in a few weeks or a, few, a, a, a short time? Jesus was going to go to Calvary. And He was going to die. He's going to be buried. He's going to rise again. And then what was going to happen? He was going to ascend and no longer be there. Hey, he was teaching them that their faith, it didn't depend on the very presence, his body, but it depended on knowing that he was always there. He is what they needed. In spite of his immediate presence, he is what they needed. Uh, we must look to Jesus in the midst of our storm. That is what he's trying to teach us. He's trying to strengthen our faith. In, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter on faith, it talks about how it's impossible to please God except through faith, and that we must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek Him. And it gives all these people, and at the end of the chapter, it talks about those that even perished and all that went on. And then how does chapter 12 start? It says that we are to lay aside all those weights. But then in verse number 2, it says, to do what? To look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hey, what is the key to our strengthening our faith? Is looking unto Jesus. And so they look unto Jesus. That's why I think that Jesus, as He was about to ascend, He's given that great commission. He comes to the disciples, Matthew chapter 28, and in verse 18, He said this, He says, he says, all power, I like 18, we often skip 18, He says, all power is given unto Me in heaven and earth. And then He goes on to tell them to teach and to baptize and to teach and to observe. But what does He tell them at the end of this? Because He's about to leave and, and, and His disciples need to know this. And they need, they need to have faith after He's gone. And what does He tell them? He says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Hey, this God, this Jesus that has all power, He is with us always, even into the end of the world. No matter what storm you're facing, He's there. And that's the purpose of our storms, is to strengthen our faith. For us to look to Jesus because He has all power and He is always with us. So the, the, the cause, the purpose was to strengthen their faith. Jesus knows He will soon be going away and they can't depend on His body, on His physical presence. You know, I, I imagine 
John, John would, John would, the Bible says that he would lay on his breast. He, he, he no longer could do that. He could no longer lay beside Jesus. Uh, I imagine Thomas could no longer put his hands in, in the pierced sides. I imagine Peter could no longer see the eyes of Jesus whenever he had denied, he wasn't there anymore. Peter could no longer ask those crazy questions that Peter always came up with, you know, asking, hey Jesus, because um, he was gone. But they needed to know something. He was always with them. And he's all powerful. So, to strengthen their faith. But notice the, the, the last part of this, and I was trying to figure out why God put this here, and, and this came to me. Uh, verses 53 and on, it says, And when they had passed over, I won't pass by that. Did you notice something? They made it. Amen. They passed over. Jesus said, Hey, go across. I want you to pass over to the other side. And what happened there in that verse? And they made it. They passed over. And they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they came, or they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him. And ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they, they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into the villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment, as many as touched him, were made whole. So he knew their faith needed strengthening, but he was preparing them for future service. Did you notice what happened when they got to the other side? There was somebody over there that needed them to bring Jesus to them. You know, what happened in, in the first storm? Remember the first storm, Mark chapter 4 back there? They got over, and in Mark chapter 5, what happened immediately? There was a, there was a Gadarenian maniac that needed Jesus. Hey, what had happened if they had got lost in that storm? What had happened if Jesus hadn't brought them through that storm? That Gadarenian maniac would have never been there, would have never been ready. And what happened in this storm? Jesus, it, it, what, what had happened? Those disciples were out there on the sea and they gave up. They quit. They, they said, look, I'm done with this. I, I, let's turn back around. Let's go back. Let's, let's just not... I know Jesus said to go to the other side. We're not going to make it to the other side. Let's go back. What had happened to all those people over there? Who would have brought them Jesus? Hey, listen to me. If you quit, you give up. Hey, you, you sink with the ship, right? Before Jesus. And you, you don't look to Jesus to help you in the midst of your storm. What happens to those people on the other side of that storm that need you? Hey, they need you to bring Jesus to them. That's the purpose of the storms in our life is that we shouldn't turn back. We should, we should, we should go and, and, and be a help to those that need Jesus. Hey, they might, be, you, they might be in despair like you were in despair one day. They might be despondent like you were despondent. They might be ready to quit like you were ready to quit. But you can say, hey, Jesus brought me through and He can do the same thing for you. Don't let your storm get, uh, cause you to quit. Go for it because there's somebody that needs Jesus. In closing, uh, Frank Graff, Brother Cody, if you'll get that up there. Frank Graff, he um, was a preacher, and an evangelist, and, a, and, a, and an author, and, and he wrote music. And in 1901, he was facing some very difficult times, some difficult trials in his life. It, it was said that, that he, it was a time of great despondency and doubt. He was going through some physical pain in his life and in, in his ministry. He was just at a place of breaking. And one day he went to his Bible and he turned to a verse in Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. And he read that we were to cast all of our care upon him. And at the end of the verse is what got him. It says, For he careth for you. 
And he, and, he, and he wrote out the words to this hymn. And on page 289, you can look at it, and I think they'll put it up there. Does Jesus care? It goes like this. Does Jesus care when my heart is pain too deeply for mirth and song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the ways grow weary and long. Does Jesus care when my way is dark? With a nameless, verse 2, dread and fear. As the daylight fades into deep night shades, does He care enough to be near? Verse 3, does Jesus care when I've tried and failed, like those disciples in the sea, to resist some temptation strong when for my deep grief I find no relief, though my tears flow all the night long? Last verse, does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Is it aught to Him? Does He see? And what does the chorus say? How does it say it? Oh, yes, He cares. I know He cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. So we can answer that question, does Jesus care? Oh, yes, He cares. I know He cares.